Hello. Welcome to Public Affairs on WRBH. I'm Lynn Koppel, and today we're joined by two people that you may or may not know, but I'm sure you know Marcia Cavanaugh, who's the host of Informed Sources, and also uh, Susan Todd, who is the executive director of something perhaps you don't know quite as well as Informed Sources, 504 HealthNet. Thank you all so much for coming on, and they're going to talk about some interesting things that are going on in our community. Well, thanks so much for inviting us to share this information with members of our community. Um, I, of course, am with WYS, mm-hmm. in addition to doing Informed Sources, which uh, is, you know has been on the air for a long time. <laughs> we started back in 1984. Um, uh, I am the community projects producer at WYS, right. and um, tomorrow night... At 7 o'clock, we're premiering um, a program called Reshaping a Greater New Orleans, Creating Healthy Communities, which is focusing on the changes in healthcare delivery and access to healthcare since Hurricane Katrina. This Reshaping a Greater New Orleans series has been ongoing really since 2007, and we've been taking a look at the region's recovery since Katrina, looking at criminal justice issues in Orleans, Parish neighborhood recovery, education, even our coast. And this public affairs series has been underwritten um, by Baptist Community Ministries, which, mm-hmm. of course, we we're very grateful for their support to be able to to provide this kind of information to our community. So tomorrow, uh, Thursday at 7 p.m., the program uh, Creating Healthy Communities premieres, and it will run several times over these next over the next few days, over the weekend, Friday and over the weekend. Um, but we've, we felt it important to share this information about what's been going on in our region um, in these years since Katrina. Um, We lost Charity Hospital, and yes, losing the building was a concern, Mm -hmm. certainly, and controversial also as to whether we should go back into it or not. Ultimately, we decided we would not. But the most important thing was continuing the mission, and that mission has continued, but maybe a little bit different form, Mm -hmm. Um, where now we've got this network of community clinics um, in neighborhoods throughout the region, uh, offering primary care, preventative care, offering a medical home to people. So you could get your primary care if you have uh, behavioral health issues too. It's right under you know the same roof. Sure. Your records are there. You get to know these providers. This is indeed your medical home. And so a, a part of that and a big player in all of this is what Susan's going to talk about. Sure. Um, in 504 HealthNet which is helping really coordinate and strategize all this care so that the right care is going to the right areas, you know, so that needs are fulfilled. That's very interesting. Tell us about that because, frankly, I have to tell you, I've heard of 504 HealthNet, but I couldn't tell you what it does, but you're going to tell us. Yeah, and and thank you. I'm I'm excited to be here. And so 504 HealthNet, we are a small nonprofit We're a member association or a coalition of community-based primary care and behavioral health centers. And so as a nonprofit, while we do not directly provide services, Mm -hmm. we coordinate efforts in the community. And so we do a lot around making sure people have access to care, whether that's advocacy to secure the finances and resources to make sure that the clinics have funding that they need mm-hmm. to open their doors and, and have buildings post-Katrina. We work on outreach and education as well to make sure that community members know about these resources. So collectively, we have 60 sites in the greater New Orleans region. And what's unique about this network of Wait, clinics... let me stop mm-hmm. you. Tell us what the greater New Orleans region is, just to 
remind so, yeah, people. Yeah, no, no, no. So we're really looking at the parishes of Orleans, Jefferson, Plaquemine, and St. Bernard. Okay. And we actually have one operator that and one clinic member that extends a little bit farther behind, okay. beyond. But, I, just, but just generally so people speaking. people are aware that it's not just mm-hmm. Orleans. Not just Orleans, or, but really looking at kind Jefferson. of the, the yeah. Jefferson mm-hmm. and looking at the community. Good. That we do have 60 sites right mm-hmm. now. And the unique thread for all of these clinics and organizations is that they serve everyone who walks through the door. And so I think that's a really important reminder that it's not just focused on serving people who have insurance Mm -hmm. or people who are on Medicaid or Medicare, but if you are uninsured, then they will still see you. And they're not free clinics, but it's a sliding fee scale based on your family size and income. So the focus is really on affordability Mm -hmm. and making sure that you can still go and not having payment be a barrier. So if you can't pay, they will still see you. Um, And so focused. Yeah, thank you. Um, there's been a lot of work post-Katrina to make sure that we have built access and really looking at and making sure that we're connecting people to insurance products that exist, mm-hmm. whether it is Medicaid or something through the marketplace or through your employer. Sure. And then if we can't, for some reason, get people into an insurance product, then we have a couple other community programs that help people out who can't. Um, But, you know, it is really important thinking about making sure everyone has a primary care doctor to be able to manage chronic conditions, that they know where they can go if they get the flu. You know, it's something we're working really hard in this community to educate people about the opportunities and resources to take care of their health. You know, I think that that's something in doing this program. And I I have a co-producer in this program, Paula Pendarvis, Mm -hmm. who's just a veteran journalist here. And the the two of us, it was a learning curve for us. Um, one thing that certainly is valuable, and Susan touched on this, is the, it's confusing. You know, insurance is confusing and oh, expensive. It uh, can be. Um, and, you know, it can leave you scratching your head and wondering, well, gee, how am I really going to get the care I need? Can I afford it? So what these clinics do is that they help you navigate through that and under, they help you understand um, what the, with the resources that you do have, be it insured or uninsured, mm-hmm. What is there available to you? Um, and the providers that I've talked to really emphasize this medical home model, which I'm going to have Susan would sort of d- describe that too. Mm-hmm. But in this medical home model, it is a place where you can just sort of hang your hat, get to know the providers. They get to know you. And it just encourages people to continue to go seeking their health care. So a medical home, why don't you explain what, what, no. what medical home is about? So a medical home is looking at the whole person. So each of the clinics that provide primary care also have behavioral health. And behavioral health is really the term for services that are mental health and substance Mm -hmm. abuse. Rather than always saying mental health and substance abuse, you just say behavioral health. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is to look at not only just why you're coming in once that day. So if I'm coming in for the flu, but to say, let's look at this person as they're in in their entirety And look at not only the flu that they're having today, but let's look at, you know, their mental health. Let's look at their family history. Are they taking the preventive care that they need according to their family history and age group and risk status? So how are we making sure that we're connecting them with resources in the community? The clinics do have staff on site to help with enrollment and help Mm -hmm. navigate that insurance piece. And then a number of them also have additional resources to connect patients with care, we have some medical legal services on site, depending on the clinic. We have a variety of ways of recognizing that people have complex lives and your health is determined 
by a number of things. And so how are we really approaching people and managing things in that way? A lot of the clinics will do you know, calls to remind you about your appointments and really try to do more of a forward-leaning approach of really treating you as an entire person and not maybe just why you showed up at the clinic that day. Yeah, in other words, not giving you cold uh, syrup, cough syrup, and then goodbye. Well, tell us how people would find these, and how did you all choose what neighborhoods to put them in or where to put them? And I guess also, where do the doctors and the medical staff come from? Are they associated with standing hospitals? How does this work? So essentially... You know, to answer a few of your questions that the clinics... I'm sorry, that was a No, no, I was like, oh, a bunch work. of questions. Yeah. Um, great, I love questions. <laughs> no, so the, the clinics really started um, organically. Mm-hmm. You know, prior to Katrina, we really didn't have any access points. And so we had the shuttering of, of Big Charity Hospital, and the need really grew out of where people were. Mm-hmm. So whether it was, you know, a tent on a corner, and then that tent moved into a house that now is in a clinic. Mm-hmm. So they're really spread throughout the neighborhoods in the area. And the easiest way, you can go to our website at 504healthnet.org. So 504-H-E-A-L-T-H-N-E-T.org. Or you can call 504-658-2053. Please re- remember to repeat that at the end of the show. I will. If I will. I remember. Yeah. And that number is actually operated. We're in partnership with the Second Harvest and mm-hmm. so when you call this 504-658-2053, a staff member will answer and say, hi, how can I help you? Okay. And you say, hey, I need a, a primary care doctor or I need a clinic. And they will ask you, you know, where do you live or where do you work? And they will provide you with three different options mm-hmm. for your closest options and then transfer your call directly to whichever clinic. So you could say, you know, hi, and I live in Gentilly. Well, great. We have these are your three closest options. We've got. You know, Excel, yeah. St. Thomas, and Daughters of Charity, all within, you know, mile radius. Which one's easier for you or preferred? Maybe, sure. you know, pe- we want people to have choice. And that's a really big thing for us, that people have choice of where they go and then transfer the car and connect mm-hmm. them. And so I think that that, for so long, people in the community did not have choice. Um, and so to recognize that we now have 23 different organizations, mm-hmm. a number of sites, and so... Hopefully you have one close um, or within, you know, a mile or two radius from your home that you can get to. You know, for this for this program, one of the uh, folks that I talked to was Michael Griffin, who is the CEO of Daughters of Charity. Mm-hmm. And um, and also I talked with Sister Bonnie Hoffman, um, who uh, is with uh, Daughters of Charity. And, and from her, we learned mm-hmm. the role that the daughters had in Charity Hospital oh, yes. historically and and as she pointed out, you know, they left charity in 2001, and um, when they sold Hotel Do, um, they started thinking, well, we, you know, we really have to reform ourselves a little bit here. And then they opened, even before Katrina, some clinics. And then from there, more have grown with this organization. But something that Michael Griffin pointed out was, um, and he noted this when he was talking about 504 HealthNet, is the strategy that is involved in determining, mm-hmm. you know, where a clinic perhaps would be placed in the community. It's certainly not just a haphazard thing. Thought is given yes. to that. Um, and also there's always consideration about staffing, the nurses, the doctors, the nurse mm-hmm. practitioners. And um, and these these organizations, and we have talked about Daughters of Charity, there's St. Thomas, Baptist Community Services, Access Health, uh, Crescent City. Crescent Care. Crescent Care. Mm-hmm. Um, what other Providers, what am I leaving out here? And there's, of course, providers in Jefferson Parish also. 
We have um, Jeff- Jefferson Community Healthcare Centers. Mm-hmm. There's the City of New Orleans Health Department runs healthcare for the homeless. Mm-hmm. There's Common Ground, Excel. Mm-hmm. Noella is out in the east, the new, yeah. and they have a, a very big focus on Vietnamese and Hispanic mm-hmm. patients that are out in New Orleans East. We also have the Musicians Clinic as part of our network. Yes, I yeah, they're that. a great partner. And then also include some organizations that are focused particularly on mental health services. Mm-hmm. So Metropolitan mm-hmm. is also involved. Mercy, which does family services yes. as well. And so looking at a broad number of organizations. So you're really trying, it's, it seems to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is going to be a home or a place where people can go rather than go to the emergency room when they feel sick. You go here, and maybe you can even do some preventative things. For instance, mm-hmm. if, I suppose if you go, would you have, like, tests run, for instance, to check to see that you don't have diabetes or you do have diabetes or, uh, you know, heart problems, anything else? Mm-hmm. In other words, these are, these are things that can be offered if you have a regular attendance at something like this, or a place where you know this is my home, in the way that anyone would do with a private physician. For primary care, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not to say that if someone has a health emergency, oh, no. that you shouldn't go to the ER, but, yes. but you know, the, the idea is to try to get people to consistently seek that primary mm-hmm. care, have that place to go, and then if they need care beyond that, their primary care provider will help them access, guide them, sure. navigate them to perhaps any specialists they might mm-hmm. need. Um, University Medical Center now, our, our yeah. brand new hospital, um, is often a place that folks are referred to for specialty care. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, the mission that was established with the establishment of Charity Hospital in 1736, yes. which is to make sure that there is health care access for all, regardless of your ability to pay. And of course, now paying has sort of changed over all of these years. Um, that mission is still there. That's sort of a thread we run, run through the show. There was, as Rebecca Gee, Dr. Rebecca Gee, who's our secretary of the Department of Health, mm-hmm. State Department of Health, calls it Mother Charity. And, you know, that mission remains. And now with these uh, with these community clinics around, it's just more accessible. I and mean, we talked to folks who, while charity provided quality care and was a wonderful service Absolutely. for this community, there would sometimes be really long waits. You know, you'd go to charity and you would be there for a long time and maybe then not see the doctor that you really needed to see. This is just more accessible, more convenient, um, very comprehensive, and can help you with the continuum of care and any kind of specialty that you need. And I suppose one of the things that has changed in our whole lives is the fact that now everything goes on a computer and I guess they're all connected. So in other words, if someone goes to a community, one of these base things, it will be put on, a you know, what their blood pressure is, what the blood results were. And then if they have to go on, this can be sent on. It's not, you know, they're not like everything has, to, we have to reinvent the wheel. And I, I remember going to charity with different people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you would go in there and everybody would, get, well, but that was because everybody had to look for the, where are the files, where are the files. Yeah. And you had mm-hmm. millions of people who had been through that. And, you know, one thing that was pointed out to us um, by a couple of folks that we talked to at the different clinics is um, these are really kind of family-centered, too, mm-hmm. where you can have entire families going there. Sure. And that perhaps might help the family understand what maybe a senior member has, you know, their their Absolutely. medications. And it, it, it's just helping uh, make sure that everybody receives the care, the appropriate care that they need. 
um, something that that we should mention that right after Katrina, um, there was some federal money that came in to try to to start this community clinic network, and then a waiver for Medicaid, which was the Greater New Orleans Community Health Connection. Community Mm -hmm. Health Connection, otherwise known as NOKI. That's what I always remember. NOKI. NOKI. And and NOKI waived the Medicaid um, poverty level limit Mm -hmm. to to a degree, but it was not as comprehensive as Medicaid expansion now. Uh, Medicaid expansion um, stepped in at a time when NOKI was going to be phased out, and NOKI applied to four parishes, and it and offered a limited amount of care. Now, Medicaid expansion um, is much broader. I mean, it's beyond just getting that visit that you needed. It, it, it's now you have mm-hmm. your pharmaceuticals taken care of, your hospital visits, et cetera, with Medicaid expansion. Medicaid expansion um, is more than 330,000 people. Last I checked, maybe mm-hmm. it was 337,000. If you go to the state's um, website and Department of Health, um, they have a, a dashboard there which will update you about the, uh, the how Medicaid expansion is moving along. They've, the state has re- uh, revised its projections to almost 400,000 people to have signed up by next mm. year. Um, but, of course, you know, med- Medicaid expansion is part of the Affordable Care Act, which there is talk of repealing the Affordable Care Act. So I, there are some questions about that. But people that I've talked to within this healthcare provider network and this community feel that this access will continue. It is established, and it will continue. We just have to see um, what kind of impacts politics will have on it, I suppose. Well, and I I suppose what this is saying is that whoever's out there and whatever your condition, you can go to the doctor and see a physician, have a workup perhaps done to find out what's wrong with you, and not worry about how am I going to pay for this? Is this going to be out of you know, spiral out of control. And I know many people who are older and perhaps aren't as well positioned as the more fortunate are do worry about that. In other words, I can't I can't go to a doctor because if the doctor tells me I need to have a hip replaced, what do I do? You know, how is that gonna how's that gonna work? Whereas at least here they can go. They don't have to Am I right? Is this the way it yep. works? No, exactly. I mean, for people who are uninsured, mm-hmm. you know, there are resources in the community. And so, you know, you need to come and bring your information on your mm-hmm. family size of and course. income. Um, and then based on that, the bill is reduced. And for things like a hip replacement or specialty well, care, yes. there's a program through UMC. Mm-hmm. And so you can go and, and work with their financial assistance office. And if you are below... Two hundred and fifty percent of the federal poverty level. I know that's a weird well, thing to say, but and they can help you out with all of this. Of course. Then it's actually free. Oh well. There if you, you meet, are. you have to be a resident of Louisiana. Well. So and you do have to have certain income for your family size. Proof it's of income. Proof of proof. income exactly is is and and they work with you. I mean, if you sure. are, it's it's not that you have to have a pay stub. You know, you can have a letter from an employer. They sure. they really do work with you um, around that. And then if it's above two hundred, if you're Income is above what's considered 250% mm-hmm. of the FPL, federal poverty level, then they will work with you on a discount of your bill. And they will give you a discount of, of that because the idea really is for access and recognizing that we want to take care of everyone in our community. I think if we don't have some type of coverage, some and, and really what we mean with coverage, it's it's payment coming to the clinics and the mm-hmm. providers. So the NOKI program provided dollars, mm-hmm. state and federal dollars, to pay for care for people who lived at or below poverty. 
and it allowed these clinics to grow and it allowed them to become established. So we've transitioned all of those people into Medicaid expansion, but if this program were to get cut or go away, you would see a decrease in the access because if suddenly we're looking and if we have, I mean, collectively the clinics serve 140,000 patients. Good grief. Right now? Right now. Right now. Mm-hmm. And right now, even with Medicaid expansion, this is, numbers are coming down all the time, but you know, about 20% of those are uninsured of the patients that oh, they yeah. see. So if you have someone who's only paying $20 and the obviously the cost of a visit is much more than $20, you're always going to be trying to figure out how do we you know, fill that gap. If you're dealing with 50% uninsured, mm-hmm. the reality mm-hmm. is, is that you have to cut back on your staffing. You can't afford that other doc no. who then can see 2,000 more patients that year. You know, and so those choices become harder and access will decrease, I think, if we don't have some type of mechanism. And I think there are different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we will see what happened. I'm remaining hopeful. I think John Bell Edwards has made a dedication to making sure people maintain sure. access. And so I think that no matter what happens, we will continue the work we've started in this community because it is a priority to make sure that people have access to a doctor and can live a healthy life and have, you know, the medication they need and the tools they need. Well, it's always seemed to me that it was much cheaper for people to go to a clinic like this and be treated at the lowest, I don't mean the lowest possible as far as health care treatment, but rather the least expensive. You go to a doctor, you see a doctor, and everything gets taken care of, than to run to the emergency room. And certainly healthy people is what we want. I mean, if if people go in and they say, well, you know Looks to me like you're about you're a pre-diabetic. You, know, you take a blood yeah. test. It's best to tell someone that mm-hmm. and say, "All right, here are some things the behavioral thing that yeah. do do this." Rather than have a couple of years later, somebody goes in and and has to have a foot removed. You know, that's certainly exactly a, a money saving if we're going to put it at that level. It yeah. is as uh, Dr. Gee certainly points that out that it's uh, certainly more cost efficient to have these health issues addressed. Sure. Sooner rather rather than later. And preventative measures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just lost my train of thought. I should no. have made we'll, it we'll go right <laughs> on. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's exactly what you're saying, yeah. that you want to, you know, the emergency room in the hospital is not the setting where you want to do no. diabetes education and where no. you want to have, you know, go in every three months for your blood work to make sure that you're managing your diabetes. And so we now have the best place for you yes. to do that is in a community health center. And, and yeah, and the behavioral health things. In other words, if there's some sort of a family, something that's going on mm-hmm. that needs attention, you know, at least here's a place where you can get it at a very simple level. And if you have, I, I always believe, you know, start simple and go up. Right. It came back to me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. You were talking about you know keeping people healthy. Well, that's um, sort of the title of the show is creating oh. healthy communities. That is the focus and creating healthy communities. And something that Dr. Gee and other folks noted is that in Louisiana, we apparently are number 50 in yes. national health rankings. So the goal is to certainly improve those outcomes in um, providing this, these, this access, encouraging our community to actually use it. Um, and that is a message that we're trying to deliver with our program um, to give people the information about how they can indeed access it. Um, we'll have this information on our website, as Susan does on hers, mm-hmm. on WIS.org. We have a web page dedicated to this program. Oh, and good. we'll have links to Susan's organizations, to the Department of Health, 
um, as well so that folks will be able to follow up on this information. And then one thing also I think we, we really need to emphasize is these clinics, um, as Susan said, are open to all. And that means the the person with commercial insurance or Medicaid, uh, underinsured, not insured, um, just like University Medical Center, mm-hmm. you know, they are now seeing a, a, a mix of patients a more commercially insured are starting mm-hmm. to go there. You know, we are definitely seeing a shift in that model of um, of healthcare for all. The mission remains the same, but we are starting to see a little bit of a shift. Now, once again, um, it's probably been impacted by the Affordable Care Act, and we'll have to see what's going to be happening in the months to come. So if you do have insurance, you can still go to these clinics, even though you might feel like, well, my insurance might not be up to this or that or the other. I would, yes, yes, but I would check. Check okay. with your network um, because every insurance. Exactly. You have Blue Cross Blue Shield. Yes. It's not necessarily the same plan or product mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you can have a different network than sure. your neighbor, even though it's the same company. So always check to make sure, no matter what, that your, your provider is in network. Otherwise, you'll incur additional costs. Okay. But yes, they yeah. do accept Blue Cross Blue Shield, they do accept other insurance plans and other. Other things, I would just, I mean, no matter if it's with one of these clinics or another clinic, you always want to verify that they take your insurance. Um, unfortunately, insurance is complicated, <laughs> and and it's mm-hmm. the system we have. So how do we, you know, best work with what we have to make sure that that and some of the complexities are not a barrier to people receiving the care that we that And they that need. also makes it good to be at the low, not, and I, when I keep saying lowest level, I don't mean that, the simplest level where you could walk in talk to someone, and they would say, well, I think you ought to do X, Y, Z rather than ABC. You know, in other words, mm-hmm. they can send you places. I would imagine that's part of what they do. Maybe, you know, this is a better way to do it than that. In uh, our program, we also take a look at what's available for children in the state through LACHIP, Children's mm-hmm. Insurance, Health Insurance Program. Been in effect since 1998. We, we talked to Ruth Kennedy um, with the State Department of Health about that and how that has really helped the children oh, yes. uh, of our state um, and where that places us in terms of the number of children insured, where we used to be really, really down in the lower rankings. The state has vastly improved on that and, and children being insured. We take a look at the University Medical Center, go in there and just sort of give you a, a visual of it, what it looks like. Um, it certainly is a stunning hospital. It it's state-of-the-art. Um and um, then also we also explore a little bit just the shifting in uh, what we call it the hospital landscape. But you see that a couple of major providers really are either owning and operating or just managing mm-hmm. a lot of the hospitals in our area. We just kind of explore that a little bit. So once again, the program's reshaping Greater New Orleans, creating healthy communities. It premieres Thursday on Channel 12, WYS mm-hmm. at 7 p.m. It runs again at 10 p.m. on Friday. Uh, and then we have a airing on Saturday, and it's going to air three different times mm-hmm. on Sunday, I believe, noon. And I don't I should have checked on the airtime. But you can go to the WYS where, uh, yeah. website, WYS.org. Just look at our schedule, and, and it's on there. Or if you get New Orleans Magazine, um, we have the dial insert in there, <laughs> which uh, lets you know what's coming on on WYS through the course of the month. And, and while I'm here, I'm just going to plug. For <laughs> Downton Abbey fans, you're going to love Thanksgiving <laughs> weekend because we're doing a marathon. Ooh, from episode one to the last. So you can oh. definitely have your fill oh, of Downton nice. Abbey. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and tell us again your information so people can get in touch with you if they miss the show but 
here's another opportunity to hear all about this. Yeah, you can go to our website at 504healthnet.org, or to find a clinic near you, you can call 504-658-2053. Well, thank you all so very much, and let's all look at this show, and if you don't see the show, still Look at W-Y-E-S. Downton Abbey ought to calm everyone's nerves. Absolutely. And the show will be archived online, too, so you'll be able to access it online. Wonderful. A double double bite on it. Good (laughs) enough. And thank you so much. Thank you. This is um, Marcia Cavanaugh and Sarah Todd. uh, Susan Todd, I'm sorry. Um, Thank you so much for coming on and telling us about this. This is so important, and I think all of our listeners will benefit. This has been Public Affairs on WRBH. Thanks for listening.